Welcome to False Flag Weekly News, your one-stop shop where you can keep apprised of all of the hideous happenings of the week. I'm Kevin Barrett with special guest host Kat McGuire. Hey, hey Kat. Hi. Great to see you. Hey. And thanks for taking time out of your busy activism schedule to come on. You're doing great work. Thank you. All right. So let's move through our disclaimers and such. Uh, we question things on this show. If you don't like questions, turn elsewhere for answers. Uh, next disclaimer. Warning. This is a very disturbing show. Uh, if you like being disturbed, stick with us. If you don't like being disturbed, maybe you should, maybe you shouldn't. That's up to you. Okay, next disclaimer. Uh, we do not offer mental, mental or medical health services here. We are simply uh, a news and commentary show. So talk to your doctor or other health practitioner if you need health advice. And finally, what's next? Oh, here we go. Um, we start the show with, I'm very sorry, we have terrible news to impart. It looks like Frodo failed and Fauci's got the ring. That's right. The theme of today's show. Oh my God. Omicron. It's, 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 no, it's, it's, it's the mild variant. Not the mild variant. <laughs> Not the comfy chair. Please don't bring on the comfy chair. Don't bring on the mild variant. No, anything but the mild variant. I mean, cat, it is so tragic. Just when everything was going our way, the asteroid that looked like it was going to hit earth, suddenly narrowly missed us. The nuclear war that was scheduled for last Tuesday afternoon was apparently canceled or at least postponed, perhaps due to UFO activity. And then out of nowhere, the mild variant! Ah! <laughs> We're doing it. Yeah, they're making a lot of hay with it. I mean, they're going to town using it for all manner of uh, fascist ordering. So, so, do you have any last words before the mild variant finishes us off? Um, extra mild. Oh my goodness. <laughs> extra mild. Oh no, not extra, extra mild. Oh man, I can't handle it. Uh, <laughs> okay. I guess we have to do whatever Fauci says at this point. Um, so, okay, let's get going here. This is all quarantined from YouTube. So we can say whatever we want about medical and scientific issues. Uh, and of course we're not doctors or scientists, just, uh, accept our views for what they are. All right, 300,000 people are facing heart-related illnesses, and it's not what you think. No, the people dying mysteriously after vaccination, the professional athletes who are dropping dead on the playing field, the uh, children among this very small number of children who were injected illegally prior to the EAU, uh, two of them dropped dead shortly after injections. Cardiac patients are piling up in hospitals across the Western vaccinated world. And a study by Dr. Stephen Gundry, the renowned American cardiac surgeon, shows that pulse test scores more than double after vaccination, suggesting a hugely increased risk of heart disease in those who have had the injections. But now it turns out that none of all of this has anything to do with injections. It's all just due to post-pandemic stress disorder. Everybody's getting heart disease because of post-pandemic stress disorder, according to the experts. Kat, uh, does this make you have faith in the experts? Well, now it's dueling stress disorders because um, I read that they were going to now, you know, sudden infant death um, syndrome. Now they are saying um, sudden adult death um, syndrome. So instead of SIDS, it's SADS. So they can't that. figure it out. Oh, it's just sudden adult death. But now you're, you're, we're showing here another one post pandemic stress disorder. 
competing uh, diagnoses for what is all just one answer, the vaccine. Come on. Yeah, I I would think so. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. You know, I but this sure looks suspicious to me. And there are groupthink bubbles that grow up in these professions that are subjected to structures of cognitive authority that could lead to mass denial of obvious truths. And I kind of suspect that might be going on here. Um, and meanwhile, as the vaccines are certainly suspects in this uh, heart disease uh, scenario, there's also a lot of data suggesting that they don't either don't work very well, or some would even say hardly work at all, certainly in terms of stopping transmission. This article was published at lourockwell.com, uh, comparing all, all of these different countries, uh, the vaccination rates versus the COVID rates. And as it turned out, uh, Gibraltar, with a 99% vaccination rate, is now undergoing uh, what will become its worst surge ever. So everybody's vaccinated, and they're still having this terrible surge uh, and going through the long list of other countries, Gibraltar, Singapore, Cayman Islands, Vermont. Uh, well, Vermont's not quite a country, I guess. Uh, Denmark, Ireland, Iceland. So, you know, 83% vaccination in Singapore in the Cayman Islands. Uh, 75% plus in Vermont, Denmark, Ireland, and Iceland, uh, 67% in Germany and Austria, and we'll talk more about those countries, uh, and Israel is over 60%. And in none of these cases does it look like these very, very high vaccination rates in tandem with the recovery rates, people who have natural immunity, uh, if there was ever going to be herd immunity, it should have kicked in, but it isn't happening so, hey, the vaccines have failed to prevent transmission. And since they don't prevent transmission, why are you forcing them on people if their only alleged benefit is to improve their personal health? Um, I don't think I've heard a satisfying answer to that yet. Have you? No, not at all. They're just moving the goalpost. It was supposed to have a 95% effective rate. That's just a big lie. Now they're saying, oh, it doesn't stop. It just lessens the severity and less deaths. They're changing the definition of vaccines. So it was supposed to protect you from the disease, not just lessen the severity. It's all jigger data anyway, because they're using as the backbone of, this, of the statistics the PRC tests, which are completely flawed, um, not to mention um, they don't take into account the whole concept of comorbidities. Um, did you die of COVID or with COVID? So it's all just, um, it's all fantasy land, really. It's surreal. And the official line is, um, the worse the vaccines fail, the more you need them. And now, oh my God, it's the Omicron variant. And uh, it's, it's the mild variant. Uh, that vaccines don't stop, and that means that we need to vaccinate everybody, and it's even more of an emergency. Tessa Lena, in this next slide, uh, wrote a really good piece on this golden goose. I mean, this is a golden goose for a big pharma. They're, they've already gotten rich to the tune of trillions off this pandemic, and they're going to get even richer before it's all over. But this is just total, total nonsense, and Tessa Lena does a good job of dissecting it. 
oh, she's such a superb writer. And just conceptually um, to take the Aesop table that is about greediness incarnate. But her article addresses how the war on our natural immunity and political correctness are two sides of the same business goal. Very interesting concept that the marketing plan to turn us into customers for life who can't defend our bodies from pathogens is the same marketing plan that um, attacks our psyche with mean words. And uh, these are just, there, there are so many simple ways to counter these manufactured ailments. But the business model, Tessa says, demands we depend on lucrative external tools to fix ourselves, which just uh, maximizes BlackRock's uh, uh, revenue and investment. Yeah, she, she has some really good lines in this article. Like, here's yeah. one. Uh, because the new variant of concern is mild but terrifying, while the vaccines don't work but do, we can be safely recycled and boosted without turning the page in the marketing brochure uh, and on and on. So great that you got to read it. Uh, and so we'll move on to the next slide. And this is the, uh, oh, this, this is the URL, which I still need to post at the page. This is the, uh, um, what is this? The Our World and Data site where you can actually go and compare the death rates from COVID, uh, in, and vaccination all over the world. And the best comparisons I've seen or the best summaries of this data that I've seen suggest that it isn't stopping, uh, the, the spread. And uh, it doesn't even I don't, I don't believe it's reducing deaths, but I haven't looked closely in the last uh, month or two at this website. So Alan, the producer, suggests that we should look at it and uh, draw whatever conclusions are to be drawn. Well, it was helpful that um, in the when they were looking at vaccinated versus unvaccinated and who really is um, spreading the covid, getting the covid um, at times it was unclear. Um, which one of the vax which are have COVID and of the unvax because a lot of the data has been, um, I think, purposefully um, delivered in ways that can't be unpacked. So this article, Alan said, was helpful. Um, but you can uh, get these statistics to uh, just um, say anything you want, really. Um, the bottom line is what is happening in the real world. What do we see with our own eyes? And they feed us these statistics, and I don't even believe half of them. I think they're all jiggered numbers. Well, there are arguments uh, out there, uh, some very sophisticated arguments about to what extent we can trust the various kinds of studies and statistics that are being proffered by the various groups out there. And uh, it's there. I think it's worth keeping an eye on those if you're interested in thinking critically about these matters. Well, I think we've hit just about the end of the segment of our show here where we are allowed by YouTube to discuss these contentious medical and scientific issues. Uh, now we're moving on to the part where we try to be uh, ultra compliant with uh, YouTube censors by not saying a word about any of these contentious issues about medicine and science and things like that. We're just talking about the social issues here. And one of the social issues is that the world is about to negotiate a global pandemic treaty, except Russia and China aren't on board. And there are no details whatsoever in this article from the Washington Post. None. We have no idea what the heck this global pandemic treaty could possibly even mean, but they're making it sound like it's a really good thing. And it sure is too bad that those darn Russians and Chinese aren't going to endorse it and go goose-stepping off with us into whatever world this treaty is supposed to create. Uh, what do you make of the way the mainstream media reports this stuff, Kat? Not a single detail about anything specific about what this treaty would be, but they're hyping it anyway. 
Um, yes, there, there are no quotes from China and Russia, of course, but not even regular citizens. It was just uncritical reporting. Um, some, I think they um, mentioned someone who doesn't even uh, say the treaty doesn't even go far enough. Um, we need to cover even more illnesses beyond uh, pandemics. This is only the second time that a special assembly on world health has ever been assembled. The first one was in 1948, which was basically the um, entire um, world effort to create what is now the World Health Organization. Um, it looks like they're just all trying to help um, to prevent this uh, Omicron alarm, um, the spreading of it. But actually, this is a great reset creep of what they're doing. They're trying to slowly put in great reset uh, policies, and it's happening very quickly. The first session of this is March 1st. I mean, just around the corner. This is really, really dangerous what they're doing because they're taking control out of the hands of nations. Just as the U.S. federal government is tries to take over power from the state governments, the globalists are using this mild variant to take over the power of nation states um, for their globalist centralized government agenda. It's very dangerous. Okay. Well, in Germany and Austria, which is where Hitler came from, it looks like history is repeating itself. Uh, and now Germany is following Austria in announcing that it's now the unvaxxed who get to be the Untermenschen. The European Union Commission President Ursula von Leyen is jumping in saying it's time to potentially think about mandatory vaccination across the entire EU, following Austria and then Germany. So, yeah, Kat, it looks like it's not nations anymore. It's something bigger than nations. Right. But you see a lot of things in between the lines, if you can read in between them. Um, they talk about record-breaking number of cases and 102,000 people have died as a result of COVID. And yet they have this quote. Let's see. The country recorded 446 COVID-19 related deaths. It, they just kind of put it in that related. That's the whole comorbidity thing. Did you die with or of COVID? And so they're not going to put this in until February um, when they're going to have more repressive crackdown for the unvaccinated. But if they really cared, if it was really a danger, why wouldn't they start it now? And um, we can still go into the supermarkets. Oh, like the virus knows that supermarkets are safe, but a restaurant isn't. The one especially good, the produce section is the safest, I understand. Yes, really. Um, a, one good um, shining light here is, unlike the United States, at least most of Europe accepts natural herd immunity from exemption uh, from the VAX mandate. But basically, they're creating the notion that Europe is the leading um, pandemic center, the epicenter of it. And what they're doing is getting using multiple European nations as a germination for that international pandemic treaty, because just one nation like the U.S. isn't the same as like 15 European countries doing it. It's like the coalition of the willing for the Iraq war. It made it look like everybody was all in, whereas really it's just one globalist policy. Absolutely. And meanwhile, in Switzerland, we have some bad news. Lucy Morgan Edwards failed and Fauci's got the ring. Uh, that's right. Lucy was on the show last week, and she was still hoping that they would defeat this COVID referendum, which basically approved a draconian government uh, 
power, well, all the powers that they used in the past and then more, more, uh, including Orwellian high tech contact tracing. So bye bye privacy. But hey, what's a little privacy if Big Brother can save us from the mild variant? Um, <laughs> now this is uh, terrible news, Kat. Uh, Switzerland is, is the, the neutral country that holds out and never joins with the Nazis or the anti-Nazi Nazis or whatever. Uh, but they're not neutral anymore. They're on the side of the people who are turning the unvaxxed into the Untermenschen and building an Orwellian uh, global dictatorship on the back of the mild variant. So uh, I had more faith in the Swiss people than this. They all have machine guns. Uh, you know, if they're not, not going to use their machine guns to protect their freedom now, when will they? Right. Um, yes, it was very disappointing. We rely on the Swiss to be rational and democratic. But what... Um, wasn't very highly touted was this bill for a pass system provides billions of dollars in aid for businesses and, and workers who have been impacted by the pandemic. So it's extortion. They were bought off. You pass the bill, we'll get you money. If no money had been part of this bill, I'm wondering if those certificate laws would still have passed. Okay, well, moving from Switzerland over to Greece, uh, Greece has a new approach. They're going to make the lives of the old folks even more miserable than COVID has by imposing a monthly fine on people 60 and over who are not vaccinated. Well, the average monthly pension in Greece is 600, 730 euros, which is about $830. And what, what are they finding them? Something like, like 150 bucks. So, so about, you know, a fifth of their income is going to go to pay a fine for not being vaccinated. Uh, and so I guess they can't eat, but at least their health will be protected by being uh, impoverished and thrown out into the street when they can't pay their rent. So uh, bravo, Greece. You're, you're leading the way in protecting public health, aren't you? Right. Holding people at economic gunpoint. Um, my sister lives in Greece, so I get some news through that. And um, she said it will probably be done yearly through a tax system or on your monthly pension. So somehow you're going to have to prove that you were vaxxed or you won't uh, get the fine. But my sister's sort of an expat, so she's under the radar, but her partner isn't. So this is just really hitting personally home for me that Greece has gone so far as to mandate uh, fines for unvaccinated people over 60 because we are over 60. It's it, it's personally hitting home. <laughs> Well, I guess that makes more sense than finding uh, grade school children if they don't get vaxxed, because obviously the people over 60, according to at least some studies, uh, might gain some. Wait, I'm not even supposed to say anything nice about the vaccines because we're not allowed to talk about any uh, medical or scientific issues. So rather than endorsing vaccines for old people, uh, I will shut up and move on to China, where uh, Peking University uh, just issued a study uh, saying that they can't follow the West into their so-called open up strategies. Instead, they have to continue with their zero COVID strategy or their elimination strategy, which involves kind of draconian contact tracing and lockdowns. According to the study, which was partially funded by, guess who, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. What are they doing over there in China? Oh, man. Anyway, uh, according to that study, the approach of the Western countries, uh, quote, rests solely on the hypothesis of herd immunity induced by vaccination. And the study is suggesting that that has, has failed. Well, I'm not going to say whether or not that's true because we're on YouTube, but in any case, this is what Peking University says, and we're allowed to report what they say. Well, um, what we're getting, in my opinion, is more um, 
presumably uh, flawed statistical modeling. Um, all of this stuff has been based on statistical modeling. It's not even real life. And heaven forbid, they talk about natural herd immunity. Couldn't that be part of the study? Um, what I think is really happening, though, is social engineering propaganda from on high, both to the Chinese and to the West. For the Chinese, it says, keep being authoritarian because if you use the West's open up strategy, you're going to have big problems. For the West, the message is the study promotes the idea that you'll be more successful if you emulate the Chinese authoritarian approach. So either way, uh, whatever these studies are, um, they have multiple purposes for whatever audience they care to deliver the message to. Yeah, it seems like they are trying to sort of force the whole world into a single model. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's the one ring to rule them all. Uh, well, how about Gavin Newsom? He's definitely went up with those people who, who were trying to get the ring. And, uh, wow, $290,000 per night or no, $29,000 per night. Well, that, that was weird. I thought it was actually a kind of expensive place, but it turns out it's, it's actually low rent. Gavin Newsom is in this villa in Mexico. Uh, he flew down there, uh, immediately after issuing a state of emergency for California, locking down the whole state. Apparently he didn't lock himself down. And so he's staying at the La Dacha Cabo San Lucas Villa, owned by the Russian entrepreneur, uh, I won't say the word gangster, uh, and businessman, Oleg Tinkov. And Oleg, if you're not a gangster, I apologize for hinting that you might be. But if Gavin Newsom's there, um, that's pretty dicey already. Well, Kat, what do you think about good old Governor Newsom? Well, um, it, um, having a, a Russian billionaire own the villa just drives home that it's a Bolshevik double standard of some animals are more equal than others. I just don't understand why Californians are supporting this guy. Um, he's laughing at them. Do as I say, not as I do. Um, there are a lot of people who think that he never won that election. It's just another stolen election. I mean, how can somebody so vile and hypocritical actually win the collective voice of the people? Indeed. And of course, he's, he's going to tell us, oh, it's, it's, it was only 23,000 a night. It wasn't 230,000. I'm actually, uh, living very, uh, frugally on the taxpayer's dime and, uh, on the Russian billionaire's dime. Anyway, uh, next slide. Hundreds of Google employees are 600 to be precise have signed on to a letter calling for the end to Google's shot mandate. And I actually have a, a, a friend, uh, whose husband works at Google. And they're having all kinds of issues around this. Uh, I don't know if, if they're involved in this letter. I didn't check that. But uh, so that's uh, if you know Google is obviously ready to rule the world and what they do reverberates just like what EU countries do. So, uh, Kat, do you think this letter will have any effect? Uh, the Google hierarchy so far says it won't. Well, it's only 600 people who signed it out of 135,000 full-time employees. It's just a drop in the bucket. So when you look at it that way, it's very depressing. But when those 600 refuseniks get fired, that's just 600 more authentic bodies for the freedom movement. Okay. Well, <laughs> there we're getting uh, augmented by leaps and bounds here. Uh, as folks who are no longer allowed to be in polite society will have nothing left to do but join the revolution. So, hey, they plot, and Allah plots, and Allah is the best of plotters, as E. Michael Jones loves to say on this show. Uh, <laughs> he's gonna, I think he's going to be back uh, two weeks from now. So moving on to stories about CEOs. Don't you love those CEOs? So Jack Dorsey at Twitter, who actually kind of supported free speech or tried to, uh, stepped down, and the new guy, Pareg Agrawal, 
Pareg Agrawal? What the heck? Where's he from? Anyway, he says that our role is not to be bound by the First Amendment. He says that they're going to focus less on thinking about free speech, but instead they'll be thinking about how the times have changed. That's Pareg Agrawal singing, the times they are a-changing. So come gather round, children, wherever you roam, and admit that the country that once you called home has become an Orwellian nightmare. So anyway, uh, he's channeling Dylan, I guess. The times have uh, changed, and we all have to accept the Orwellian dystopia. Well, it makes us long for um, Jack Dorsey, who uh, was at least somewhat of a quirky independent. But let's remember that back in March 2020, Paul Singer, our favorite billionaire hedge funder, um, he bought a sizable portion of Twitter with plans to oust Jack Dorsey. So I guess his plans have finally reached fruition. But um, the day after that new CEO took over, um they put in some kind of enforcement action against what they call personal media, that it not be shared without consent. So this is really dangerous. What this is, is that any images or videos of private people as opposed to public figures that are perceived to be emotional or cause physical harm can be called on the carpet. So the rationale is that um, the misuse of private media can have a disproportionate effect on women, activists, dissidents, and minorities. Well, of course, we know that there's going to be a double standard in applying it, but it effectively halts any kind of investigative reporting on private individuals. For example, that Washika uh, terrorist, Daryl Brooks, um, can you show his Facebook book posts or are you just allowed to only show his mugshot? It really puts a clamp on um, reporting and uh, just public information by calling everything private. And we're going to see the double standard in that one. So I guess everybody's going to have to move off of Twitter and move over to Gab if they value free speech. Um, Okay, another CEO story this week. Elizabeth Holmes uh, testified in court that she wished she had listened to the whistleblower, Erika Chung. I sure as hell wish we treated her differently and killed her. I mean, listen to her, Holmes reportedly said on the witness stand. Uh, so basically, she, and then she denied that they'd ever threatened this whistleblower. Oh, no, we didn't threaten her. We just told her we'd sue her ass, and, and we couldn't guarantee the safety of her family. But no, we didn't really threaten her, did we? <laughs> oh, man, I, I just love these CEOs. Well, um, her case is sort of like a prelude to what we're seeing today, like the mRNA vaccines. Um, it's gaslighting, using powerful people to sell a bankrupt product. And uh, hopefully we'll see Tony Fauci on the witness stand. But in her case, uh, she managed to rope in Rupert Murdoch, Henry Kissinger, and uh, former Secretary of State George Shultz. Um, they got all roped in by a combination of the Silicon Valley financing and uh, being a creative disruptor for the medical industrial complex. All of this alluring ways to make money and change the world um, just roped them all in. But this was before, I guess, they had their whole uh, M.O. down pat. Now the gaslighting is very hard to uh, de- deconstruct and um, take to court. We're doing it, but it's harder, I think. She's going to get her due, but um, when's Tony Fauci going to get it? So, so are we allowed to mention that Elizabeth Holmes's company's uh, so-called uh, medical strategies were not good? Or I don't know if we're allowed to even talk about anything like that on YouTube. Uh, even when it's pretty much proven fraud, she's being prosecuted for fraud. You, we still can't talk about it on YouTube. So that means that as we move on to talk about uh, one of the biggest stories this week, 
and that is the publication of the intro to Robert Kennedy Jr.'s great new book on uh, Bill Gates. Uh, it's published over at uns.com. That's great that Ron Uns got the rights to publish this intro, and the book is cheap on Twitter. It's like a couple of bucks on Twitter. A brilliant book. I'm, I'm reading it. Uh, and it's a number one bestseller. Now, we, we can't talk about anything that Bobby Kennedy says questioning any uh, medical issues, um, although I will say that it looks very well documented so far. Uh, but his real point is that liberal democracy has effectively collapsed worldwide on the back of this pandemic. And uh, it's, it's brilliantly written, uh, very passionate, but also very uh, thorough, uh, precise, well-documented, and it looks accurate to me. What do you think, Kat? Oh, a fabulous. Um, it just has pages and pages of footnotes. Um, but what they're doing to it, even though it's number one on um, Amazon, um, the mainstream media is completely ignoring it. And in another form of censorship we've seen um, with 9-11 books and others, um, the online bookstores are saying it's either sold out or back ordered. That's just hogwash. I don't believe that for one minute. Um, there's one strange thing in Bobby's book that's uh, kind of interesting is that he gives tribute to scores of doctors. I, I read through all of his acknowledgments and footnotes looking for Judy Mikovits's, uh name. Dr. Judy Mikovits he had worked with, but she's completely omitted. So um, if anybody wants to put in the, the comments in YouTube or something, why is that? I've been in uh, listservs and talking about nobody seems to know. What's that? Hmm. Okay. Well, that's a mystery. Maybe some of our viewers can research that and try to figure it out. In more Fauci news, Laura Logan has drawn outrage for comparing Fauci to Joseph Mengele. Uh, and uh, she has, uh, fortunately, she's gone ahead and apologized to Dr. Mengele, so we can move on to the next story, <laughs> unless you have a comment on this, Kat. <laughs> well, yes, I do. Whether she okay, but... compared uh, Fauci to Mengele or not, the truth of the matter is, is that they both did experiments on live humans and both without informed consent. And not without... to mention beagles. Yes, thank you. Right. Um, and without long-term trials or data and using new technology never before tested, all this is by definition an experiment. And uh, Mengele didn't have the Nuremberg Code, but Fauci does, and he's flouting, it interna he's flouting international law of Nuremberg Code uh, with impunity. So that's probably why uh, Laura Logan had to apologize to Dr. Mengele rather than to Dr. Fauci, because Mengele wasn't violating any Nuremberg Code. Uh, it was actually drawn up to deal with the likes of him. Anyway, moving on to another uh, heartwarmingly wonderful historical character, Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, the trial is underway. Uh, Ghislaine Maxwell's trial, rather. Jeffrey's trial will, will not happen because he's living in witness protection in Tel Aviv now. Or maybe he's buried six feet under somewhere, probably right next to Jimmy Hoffa, for all I know. All I know is he didn't kill himself. He didn't hang himself. Uh, I don't know what, what did happen, but I sure as heck do know what didn't happen. Anyway, uh, Maxwell is on trial for sex trafficking, and all of the coverage is uh, very salacious and so on. But it never mentions the elephant in the room, which is Israel. This whole spy ring was running out of the Robert Maxwell, the Israeli super spy, 
honored in Tel Aviv after they murdered him. <laughs> uh, the whole Maxwell family was all super spies for Israel. Jeffrey Epstein's job was to get blackmail material for Israel. He got Trump. He got Clinton. He got all the important people in the United States. That's why the United States has been totally run by Israel for, well, for a long time. And it probably had something to do with why the U.S. leadership had to go along with 9-11, which benefited only Israel. So I'm glad I can say stuff, stuff like that on YouTube unless they're, they're going to probably, uh, send the, um, you know, the, the anti-defamation league, uh, they'll, they'll be all over me for saying things like this. But hey, uh, I, when the mainstream media doesn't even mention this, despite all of the evidence that this was an Israeli operation, it just really teased me off. Um, well, if you look at that picture, that's a picture of myself and my sister, Colleen, and we were there day one um, on the court steps uh, protesting. Well, that's Colleen. <laughs> yes. I, I recognize you, Kat. Uh, these, yeah, these two uh, babes uh, there at the Epstein trial. Did, did you actually go in and observe the trial or did you just demonstrate outside? Some of my colleagues did, and they brought bad, good intel, but I didn't want to go in because it's it's such a process. I wouldn't even do jury duty, and I got kind of kicked off because I wouldn't I wouldn't even go in the courthouse because I wouldn't wear a mask. But we had a ball because most people came a little later because I think our trial was in the afternoon, but we showed up at 9 a.m., and there was nobody there. We were the only protesters, so there were tons of press cameras. And we got the full court press of the press. Yeah, um, there, there all, you are. That's, that's a great picture. Yeah, um, they were all over us. And we got interviewed by Netflix for a documentary they're doing. Um, we were in, in the Telegraph, uh, Reuters number two. So um, it was really great. And and we, we were just, we had no competition with other protesters. Not that I would have minded that, but it was kind of fun being the sole um, um, voice screaming out. So my thing was... Um, if Epstein didn't get your children on uh, pedophilia, Gates is going to get them with the drug, with the with the jab. So um, I, I had a lot of lines, and um, they had nothing else to do. People were just waiting in line to go in the court, or the press was there. So I got to just I had a command audience. It was really fun. Wow, you know you're you're turning into a real uh, genius of an actress, Kat. I have to admit. <laughs> All right, we've done a lot of fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, I, it's I can hardly keep up with you these days. It's it's there's another great Cat McGuire story. It seems like every week you're you're busting into the mainstream media one way or another. Um, you know, I, I, it reminds me of my uh, heyday back in 2006, but you're doing it now. All right. Yeah. Well, so uh, more on the trial. The next uh, story uh, involves the uh, claim that Epstein took this 14 uh, year old. Uh, to visit Trump. Um, and it, I, the story doesn't tell us what year that was, but uh, I guess we can be assured that Trump didn't inhale. And like Dershowitz, he kept his underwear on because he was such a gentleman. That's also what the story implies. So I don't know. Uh, these, uh, this whole thing sounds a little dicey to me, but I'm, I have very little doubt that Trump was uh, very much compromised by Epstein, as so many other words were. Well, we got a lot of uh, hassle for um, saying um, we had the picture of Trump on that plane um, in our little cartoon. And people like Trump wasn't on the plane, but the pilot testified that Trump was on the plane. Um, he got 15 acres of land in New Mexico. So maybe that's what that exchange was about. But what I think is really unfortunate is um, why is Ghislaine Maxwell charged with only one count of child sex trafficking when there were hundreds of girls she preyed on and pimped for Epstein? And I think there were like 25 counts. It, this is just a slap on a wrist. And um, 
I suppose you know who uh, Nick Bryant is, Kevin, right? Oh, yeah. I've had him on. The, he's been on my radio show a couple of times. Right. Well, he's here in New York and he's so upset that the Me Too movement or no one else is doing anything that today when I leave um, in like an hour, he is having um, a protest down at the courthouse um, for um, against the trafficking of girls. And he has single-handedly put it together. People can go to EpsteinJustice.org and Nick Bryant, who's done stellar work on the, the Franklin scandal and other um, trafficking of uh, sexual uh, young girls, um, boys and girls. Um, he's going to be in New York today. I'll be seeing him in about an hour. So that's Great. what's going on here. Shout out to Nick Bryant, author of The Franklin Scandal, which is really the best book on the reality behind this insanity of QAnon. You know, QAnon is a bunch of insane babbling and raving, but it's all designed to blow smoke around the fact that, yes, the top-level elite in the United States is compromised by horrific uh, crimes against children that are used routinely by top-level intelligence agencies and their organized crime partners. And they own the New York Times, they own the Washington Post, they own the Nebraska State Police, they own the FBI, and they own the CIA. They've compromised enough high-level people. All of those people have been involved in horrific sexual crimes against children. That is a fact. It's been proven seven ways from Sunday. And the best one-stop shop to learn about that is in Nick Bryant's book, The Franklin Scandal. So forget about Q. Go read Nick Bryant. Yes, uh, thank you. And it's international, not just the U.S. Definitely yeah. an international pedophilia rings going on. Absolutely. Okay, uh, moving on to another uh, horrific cover-up. Uh, and that, of course, is 9-11. Well, the New York Times, which is... Uh, owned and run by either uh, horrific uh, pedophile criminals or uh, people covering up for them, is also covering up the mass murders of 9-11. Well, now uh, Jeff Campbell and Bobby McIlvain, two victims of 9-11, have their family members on the, uh, uh, actually their, their parents on the, uh, on the poster right outside the New York Times building. And this is uh, promoting the new film, The Unspeakable. Uh, so Kat, uh, you're, you're a, high-level uh, New York City activist. What do you think about this? Um, the movie was really worth watching. It's family speaking from the heart, and it puts a human face on the tragedy. Um, I felt um, one of the um, important issues that the film covered is that both families and the group on uh, 9-11 um, are split over, and that's uh, talking out to expose the cover-up versus being less confrontational. So there's that dynamic of activism versus um, let, let's try to get past this and live with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I have great respect for uh, for these guys. Uh, in the you know, this Bob McIlvain is is uh, a true hero, I think, uh, for just sticking with this and trying to get justice for his son Bobby over all these years. And then another hero is uh, a, a daughter of a uh, 9/11 victim, uh, Casey Papa, whose father Edward Papa was killed in the controlled demolition of the North Tower. Is one of eight 9/11 family members who are suing the National Institute of Standards and Technology, or NIST, over its ridiculous uh, report on Building 7. Now, she was interviewed by Spike Lee, and uh, that all got left on the cutting room floor when the usual suspects, the compromised individuals at places like the New York Times and the rest of the mainstream media, managed to uh, torpedo Spike Lee's, apparently, it was it was a just brilliant 9-11 uh, Truth episode in his 9-11 series, so here she is uh, writing to the uh, rather to yeah to the two New York Times reporters who 
totally left her out and, and got her segment uh, from the Spike Lee movie uh, torpedoed. And, and she points out in this letter that victims' body parts were found on top of buildings far from the Twin Towers. And yes, I know that when a building collapses, uh, it's possible that some uh, things from the building could end up a little ways from the building, but this is completely ridiculous. Um, yes. Um, I, um, but I was also very interested in knowing if she had any communication, she surely would have with Spike Lee and or HBO. How honest were they with her? Now, um, I'm sure um, both of them had uh, guns to their heads, metaphorically. Um, but I would love to know how Lee admitted that he had the cave in. Did he apologize to her? So that direct one-on-one with the guy who should have done it, how did he explain why and how he caved in? I'm not blaming him, but at the same time, he, surely he said something to her, and that's what I would like to know is that conversation. Yeah, I think Spike Lee uh, owes the world an explanation, and he really owes the world that brilliant film that he made. And I can't believe that he's he's cowardly enough that he would not at some point uh, put it out and stand up for what's right. Uh, so, I mean, maybe they made him an offer he couldn't refuse. Maybe they said they couldn't guarantee the safety of his family. Who knows? Um, but, you, you know, if, if you want to be a, a, a real uh, artist, uh, you have to be a voice of truth and you can't let them get away with that. You have to just uh, say what say what's going to ha- what, what you have to say. And uh, so Spike Lee, you know, come on, we're we're waiting for uh, we're waiting for an explanation. We're waiting for that great uh, film. Yeah. OK, moving on to Trump world stories. Uh, first Trump world story, Roseanne Boyland is a uh, victim uh, who was murdered by police in a demonstration that you've never heard of her. Why is that? You know, if, if this had been a, a white police officer beating a black woman to death at a BLM demonstration, we might have heard about it. But instead, it turns out it was a, actually a, a black female police officer, among others, perhaps, who apparently beat Roseanne Boyland uh, to death and... Nobody's ever heard of this. Uh, every, everybody's uh, everybody's heard of uh, Ashley Babbitt, uh, the woman who was shot at the Capitol on January 6th, but nobody's heard of Roseanne Boyland. Why is that? Well, they've heard of her, but um, everybody was told that she dr- died of a drug overdose. And yet there are private videos showing actually what happened. And what some um, January 6th activists are doing is um, not only are they looking at the thousands of hours of private videos of people who were there, but FOIA requests are being done to the D.C. police. This is something that's not fully known. Um, everybody thinks it's the Capitol Police did it. The Capitol Police were involved. The D.C. Metro Police were far more involved than the public is aware, and um, especially in many, if not most, of the combative activities. Um, and they are allowed to be foia the D.C. police. Um, but what the family is hoping for is they've been denied a formal investigation, and um, they want the thousands of hours of the even Capitol Police body cam videos to be released. But the private videos, many of them come from the very men who were trying to save her life, they were tear gassed and beat trying to save Roseanne Boylan's life. And now they're languishing in D.C. jail. There's at least 600 people in the jails now uh, from January 6th with no bail. And these men who have the videos of the murder of Roseanne Boylan are charged with attacking the very police who attacked and killed Roseanne Boyle, uh, Boylan. And um 
what I'm really hoping um, we find out more of, the New York Times finally admitted the presence of an FBI infiltrator. Yeah, a single infiltrator. No, the Revolver um, website reported and Glenn Greenwald and Tucker voluminously um, reported on that Revolver report that um, the FBI was deeply involved at all levels, from the goading in the uh, social media channels to actually helping to organize and being right there at the Capitol and going in and doing a lot of that malicious behavior themselves. So there's so much that has not come. um, It's beyond a scandal. It is... um, it's a it's a, it's a crime against our country. It's a state crime against democracy that's happening because based on this um, whole narrative, where we have even more deaths than the, that they're even like mentioning um, in the nefarious deaths, is the vilification of average everyday American citizens as supposed right wing domestic terrorist extremists. This is very dangerous and it's on the backs of lies. And when the Roseanne, uh, Roseanne Boylan um, trial, whatever comes to it, um, a lot of this is going to start coming out. Well, that'll be interesting to see. And yeah, 600 people uh, arrested still in jail, no bail uh, for this. And, and the vast majority of them are basically in for just trespassing. And in most cases, they probably didn't even realize they were trespassing. That's pretty mm-hmm. outrageous. Uh, well, next Trump world story. How about Michael Flynn uh, saying something true for once? Uh, here he is uh, saying the CIA could be behind Q. Well, uh, yeah, could be. I suppose it could also be maybe uh, other three-letter agencies and or the criminals who kind of oversee all of them. But in any case, he called it a disinformation campaign. And this is pretty funny because apparently some people thought that Flynn was Q. But now Q is ridiculing the whole Q thing as the obvious disinformation that it is. But again, let's face it, the disinformation is designed to blow smoke over the fact that the top of the American power structure is riddled with blackmailed pedophiles. Jeffrey Epstein is just the tip of the iceberg, and some of it is a lot nastier than even what Epstein did. And again, for some of the details or just as an opening to this topic, read uh, the, uh, the, the great book, The Franklin Cover-Up by Nick Bryant. Right. Um, or the Franklin scandal, sorry. Franklin cover-up is by John D. Kim. Yeah. Um, th- th- this um, whole, um, the whole Q thing, um, I believe, is um, just a way to, the media sensationalizes the excesses of Q as a way to avoid talking about the pedophilia rings, which I think is solid work that some Q people have done. Um, but this this audio leak is just, I think, another planted intel story to keep the Q crowd going down useless rabbit holes, which they're uh, prone to do. But from my research, um, there's no way Flynn um, or CIA is Q. I believe from my research that um, Q is um, Ezra Cohen Watnick, an intel operative for the U.S. and or Israel. And um, he's the most likely person not only to be Q, but the reason there's so much discredited Q behavior. Hmm. Watnick. Okay. Remember, folks, you heard that here first, or at least I did. Uh, (laughs) Okay. More Trump world stuff. Uh, Trump tested positive for COVID and then negative a few days before his Biden debate, where he kind of went off the rails uh, and foamed at the mouth. 
uh, which does prove that COVID is very dangerous and has terrible effects on people. And then three days later, this was on this October 2nd, uh, 2020, Trump announced by a tweet that he and his wife, Melania, were both positive. And then Trump supposedly was taken to the hospital uh, and, uh, and, and uh, saved from the scourge of COVID. Uh, so what do you make of this? Uh, I think it's such a nothing burger story. It's just more squeezing okay, money let's move, move on. Yeah, out of the Trump media cash cow. There's nothing there. Okay. Uh, well, there's enough for Trump hysteria. Let's now move on to race hysteria or race hysteria, as my neologism has it. Uh, over at Levi Strauss, that's uh, the gene makers, not Claude Levi-Strauss, the French anthropologist. Uh, they're having fireside chats. I thought this uh, the corporate headquarters in California, they don't need a fireside, but I guess they do. And they're having a racial trauma specialist uh, deal with the employees over the Rittenhouse verdict. Uh, the chief of diversity, equity and inclusion, Elizabeth Morrison, says, quote, the pain and trauma of race, identity and belief based tragedies is a reality that many of us are struggling with on an ongoing basis. Well, maybe you are. But what does that really have to do with the Rittenhouse verdict? I don't think any of these people ever actually watch the trial because if they had seen it on live television, they'd see the prosecution's case just crumbled. Uh, the lawyer was unable to disprove a single element of Kyle's uh, assertion of self-defense. And I strongly suspect that the Levi Strauss staff and family um, believe the two most notorious media lies, and that is that Kyle Rittenhouse crossed state lines armed with an assault weapon, utter complete lie, and that he was on the prowl to attack peaceful protesters. This this whole thing has just been so overblown, as we shall see in the next story that has been underblown. Um, they, they use these stories as fodder to either um, ramp up racism or completely keep it quiet when it's um, ugly in ways that they don't divide and conquer. They're they're trying to whip up hysteria on both sides. And and, and looking at the next story, how how about this? The, uh, this suspect in the Waukesha, it's pronounced Waukesha. Uh, I I lived a few miles away from in Pewaukee, Wisconsin, uh, when I was in high school, Um, the Waukesha parade uh, vehicular assault suspect says, that he's being demonized and dehumanized. Uh, so all I did was deliberately run over a crowd of people with my SUV and mass murder them. I'm really the victim here. Uh, okay, <laughs> whatever. Well, they're, they want a memory hole, um, Daryl Brooks, because he's exhibit A of why thugs should not be released so easily on low bail. And just as parents are waking up to the communist woke ideology being taught to their children in schools, um, publicizing these murders would wake citizens up to the dangerous release of criminals in our streets. And who made that happen? George Soros, who funded campaigns of so-called progressive DAs into offices all around the country, precisely to break down our society in the name of improving it. And um, two perfect examples are the no bail laws and defunding the police. Okay. Well, in our next slide, uh, speaking of, I'm really the victim here. Take Jesse Smollett. Please take him to prison. Yeah. <laughs> what do you make of this guy, Cat? He's, he's shameless. Uh, you know, ginned up this hoax where you know, a couple of rednecks, uh, like practically lynched him screaming, this is mega country. And it turns out that it was, he, he hired a couple of Nigerians to fake it. And, uh, the, the evidence is, is hardly, uh, <laughs> ambiguous here. And now what's his defense? 
oh, it's all the fault of those Nigerians. Everybody knows Nigerians are scam artists, right? I got this email from some Nigerians saying they were giving me a billion dollars, and all I had to do was let them pretend to be Trump supporters pretending to attack me. So it's all their fault. Oh, man. Uh, where did this guy <laughs> Where did he come from? Who is this? I never heard of this guy before, this story, and I kind of wish I had never heard of him, period. Yeah, he's a, a low-level, useless idiot. Um, I have two theories uh, about Jesse. Um, um, he, he's been abandoned now. He clearly couldn't art direct his way out of a closet. I think maybe uh, possibly bigger plotters helping him might have been Kamala Harris and Cory Booker. They were in the throes of passing a national no lynch law um, when they were presidential candidates in the 2019 primaries. Um, you know, as if that was that really like a conspiracy theory, Kat. Uh, well, I'm not done with you. And I got another one, too. Oh, no. So, it, you know, like we really need a no lynch law. But they actively use the Smollett hoax to promote their no lynch law, which ended up passing like we really needed it. But the timing was so suspicious, especially since Smollett refused to turn his cell phone over to the police. So I speculate there were calls between him and Kamala and Corey um, that he didn't want to release the phone because in some way it directly supported their lynching narrative in some way they were involved. So that's one theory. And then my second theory um, that I have about this whole thing is why did the press or even Jesse himself never once say he was Jewish? So typically, Jewish groups like ADL publicize anything even remotely connected to anti-Semitism. That's their wheelhouse. So why was ADL silent when a self-identified Jew is attacked in a supposed hate crime? Well, I suspect it is because the Jewish intelligentsia have had years to perfect hate hoaxes. Blacks are new to the game, so they're not as adept at hate hoaxes. And someone like Abe Foreman would not want Jews to be at all associated with what he could see a mile away would no doubt become a botched hate hoax. So when the Smollett lynching story first broke on TMX, I bet the Jewish Intel Network got word before anyone else and Abe Foxman was on the scene to demand anti-Semitism not be a part of the homophobic racism hate allegations because heaven forbid it would shine light on their ongoing scam of anti-Semitic hate hoaxes. And he could foresee exactly what's happening now. It's been completely exposed and they didn't want that kind of exposure. Well, uh, and all of that could, of course, uh, be construed as an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory, but that doesn't mean it isn't true. <laughs> as Barbara Boxer said about 9-11, uh, she spoke to me on Wisconsin Public Radio. Anyway, moving on uh, to a case where uh, BLM actually has a point, as it often does. We see that we hear less about the cases where there really was uh, a blatant police abuse, and we hear more about cases where maybe it was a little more questionable. But in this case, it's blatant. Uh, in Tucson, this officer Ryan Remington pumped uh, nine shots into the back and side of 61-year-old Richard Lee Richards, who was in a wheelchair um, and moving away from the officer. Uh, the guy, he had a knife, but come on, the guy with a wheelchair and a knife, I could take care of that, and I don't even have police training. Uh, so, uh, you know, this is one of those cases, uh, there are a lot of these cases where American police are way too trigger happy. And of course, uh, people of color, uh, well, let's start, let's be honest here. African Americans, not the other people of color tend to get the worst of it. And that's, that's true. So there's a core of truth in the BLM narrative. Um, I think people should study those statistics, statistics a little closer. Um, but 
what I found, um, what struck me about this article is that um, both the police officer and the victim were white, but the article never once said that. And in this day and age, I found that interesting because it used to be that race, the race of the person was only given if they were not white. Maybe white that's why we're not human. hearing about it. That could be one of the reasons. Well, maybe, but uh, they wrote about it, and white used to be assumed to be the standard, so you wouldn't hear about a race unless the person was not white. Now, with everything all CRT'd up, if there's any uh, racial angle to be worked, um, we're bound to hear about it. So when no race is given, um, it, it, we're back to no race is given if it's just whites involved. So it's kind of a full circle, but upside mm-hmm. down in a way that makes no sense anymore. Yeah. Well, you know, I, my take on this cat is that before there were cameras and before there was the BLM movement, um, if somebody in this kind of situation was black, they actually would have a lower chance of survival. Um, today, I'm not sure that's the case anymore. So, uh, but, but, However you slice it, there's a serious problem with trigger-happy American cops, and that needs to be dealt with. Um, well, let's move on to the war on Islam. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> okay, we'll argue about that later. Uh, Ilhan Omar is playing a tape of a, a nasty uh, death threat to, that she got on her cell phone. I don't know how this this redneck got her her phone number. Maybe it was the con- it was just the Congress recording machine or something. But anyway, uh, so she, Ilhan Omar is raising a stink about, uh, Lauren Bobert or Bobert or whatever her name is, uh, calling her a member of the Jihad squad and, uh, saying that, boy, it's a, it's a good thing she's not wearing her backpack or she's going to blow us all up or this sort of thing. So I, I think Ilhan Omar has a, has a point about this insane Islamophobia that was created deliberately by the 9-11 false flag, which unfortunately Ilhan Omar never talks about that. On the other hand, uh, some might argue, like Alan Sabrowski did on my radio show last night, that Ilhan Omar is in fact contributing to the rise of Islamophobia by giving the false impression that Muslims are a bunch of fake left, identity politics-oriented hypocrites, sort of like Mona Sheikh, who was uh, on, the, on my radio show yelling abuse at me uh, and four-letter words uh, for 16 minutes almost a few weeks ago. Um, so there are different ways you can you can look at this, but bottom line, there is of course a, a terrible Islamophobia problem. Uh, I'm not sure Ilhan Omar though is doing anything to solve it. I would agree with that. Yes, I don't like any um, hate speech, um, including against Muslims. But this is kind of a case of pot calling the kettle black. Omar gives as good as she gets. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, that's a good place to leave that slide and move on to what, what's our next story? Oh. The uh, war on China stuff, uh, how about the orbital hypersonic weapons? Uh, China is testing fractional orbital bombardment systems, or FOBs. Uh, they launched a Long March rocket carrying a hypersonic glide vehicle in fractional orbit. And today, the United States has no dedicated active countermeasures to the Chinese FOBs. Oh, my God, that sounds almost as bad as the mild variant. We're doomed, Kat. <laughs> Um, well, during the Cold War with the Soviets, um, we learned only years later how over-exaggerated the threat was. It was actually the United States that far outpaced the Soviets in nuclear warheads. So I wonder, is this the same crying wolf that keeps the U.S. war budget artificially inflated? Or has China truly pulled out ahead of us in terms of military might? I would um, say probably the latter, and that the parasite has almost fully eaten the host and has now moved on to China and is doing what it is it has historically done, which is fund both sides. 
All right. Well, certainly the U.S. Uh, unipolar empire is kind of imploding or uh, mutating uh, somehow. And part of that picture is demographic. And in the next set of stories about depopulation, we're beginning with uh, America staring down the barrel of population collapse. According to this Yahoo News piece, uh, it points out that we're down to 1.7 children per woman. And we're heading down to closer to one child per woman, which means that our population will have in about one human lifetime. So what's, what's the reason for this and what's the remedy? According to this story, we don't have generous enough welfare laws to pay women to have lots and lots of children without being married. Uh, frankly, I'm not so sure that's a solution to anything. What do you think, Kat? Well, I was just appalled. The whole article to me was just an excuse to um, put forth highly skewed social engineering propaganda. Mm-hmm. Um, I could go into that uh, evidence upon evidence in that article that had nothing to do with overpopulation. But in any event, the whole thing of overpopulation for years um, was just a, a, another vast social uh, social engineering scam that we heard about over and over again. And then finally it was like, oops, guess we got that wrong. It's the total opposite. <laughs> well, that yeah. to me sounds like the other social engineering scam they're doing known as the pandemic. And when years later, we're going to mm-hmm. find out the consequences of that, of that far more deadly scam. Right. Oh my God. Uh, it's overpopulation. is gonna, oh, oh my God. This population collapse is going to get us. Oh my God. This global warming. Oh my God. It's a coming ice age. <laughs> oh my God. It's the mild variant. It's always something, isn't it? And let's not forget about those scary, scary Islamic terrorists. So we've, you're almost starting to forget about them with all these other horrific threats. Um, <laughs> all right. So how, how about a, a really strange story? Um, in Germany, uh, <laughs> you need to be fully vaxxed to be uh, assisted in suicide. Wait a minute. It's, when I first saw this headline, I said, is, is this a satire story that I wrote and then forgot about writing? But no, it turns out that it's true. Um, so instead of giving people vaccination incentives like ice cream and prostitutes and stuff like that, now they're offering a free bonus gift that you will find <laughs> utterly irresistible, a coupon that can be redeemed for a super deluxe assisted suicide service. All you have to do is get vaccinated and we'll send someone out to your house to help you kill yourself. So if the jab doesn't do the job, don't worry, we will. This is been a public well, service announcement for the Bill and Melinda Gates depopulated fund. Oh. I sort of saw a different twist on the concept of a double suicide. Instead of two people killing themselves together, which is a double suicide, in this age of the COVID death cult, a double suicide can now mean a double dose of death to make sure you're fully culled. Wow. Well, I'm going to hold out until they offer me a dibble double dose, dose of death and maybe even uh, maybe even not then. All right. So finally, we arrived at the most terrifying story of the week, uh, which is saying something. The Xenobuds. That's right. The scientists have created the first living robots that can reproduce the Xenobuds. It looks like the singularity has arrived. The robots were assembled from the heart and skin stem cells belonging to the African clawed frog. So if the Miles variant doesn't succeed in inducing the levels of panic that they need to hurt us into the Great Reset New World Order singularity, get ready for the attack of the Xenobuts. Um, are you terrified yet, Kat? I am, actually, because if we're just hearing about this now, you can imagine at what state it's already at. It's probably already in our food and injections. And I can just see a 2030 uh, headline declaring uh, Xenobot War on Humans. Um, I think we're already living among them, and we just don't know it. And they're slowly telling us about it. 
You know, I, I think uh, some of my neighbors and maybe even some of my relatives are actually Xenobots. Uh, well, it's, it's very telling that, that to make the world's first living robots that can reproduce, they had to borrow something that was already created by God, a living creature, a African clawed frog. Like the Quran says, they can't make a fly. And they still can't. They have to steal an African frog, quad frog stem cell to even make a little Xenobutt. All right. Well, there you are. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Kat. It's always fun doing the show with you. Yeah, you too, Kevin. Okay. Well, God willing, and if the mild variant hasn't killed us all, uh, we'll be back next week. Same time, same channel. See you all then. Okay. Bye.